If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Welcome to a new edition of the Sooner Nation podcast. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Thanks so much for being here with us. Hope you enjoy the ride. Help us out and give us a subscription. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, tune in. Click subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. Well, uh, we got a lot to talk about as normal. Um, sports are going to start back up. We're going to do a brand new segment in our podcast. Yes, we stole it. Everything in podcast world is stolen. We're going to do a segment called True or False, and I'm going to present five questions to Rich, and he's going to tell me if they're true or false and why. But let's start with this. Uh, A couple of notes uh, that we want to talk about. Oklahoma softball, the rich just keep getting richer. Patty Gasso adds a power-hitting third baseman to her arsenal of weapons. And this is important because if you follow softball, one thing you notice this season, as short as it was, but there was, you know, Sidney Romero not on third base. And Sidney Romero, one of the best defensive third basemen that has played for Patty Gasso. And that's no that's no um, knock against the, the young ladies who filled in that spot. But I'm I'm going to go ahead and just elaborate on your statement, because Sidney okay. Romero may be one of the best individual players regardless of position, I agree. offense and defensively, to play for Patty Gasso. I'm not going to disagree with that at all. But Patty Gasso has found a replacement for sure, in my opinion. They're, they're, I would be shocked if this young lady is not playing third base. And I'm, I'm really, I hope we get to see her in fall ball. Jenna Johns, a transfer uh, coming into Oklahoma from South Carolina, is just I mean, this is a player right here that Oklahoma got. This isn't. This is a. This is a. A. A transfer. The way she bats and the way she plays the field. This would be a utility player transfer equivalent to getting like a Giselle Juarez. What for? What Giselle Juarez is for this team from the pitching circle. Jenna Johns is going to be this team both from the field and from the plate. She set numerous Carolina, South Carolina program records, including a tie for the most home runs in a season, which she did last last year. With 15, and that season she had re- she recorded 56 hits, 50 runs scored, 44 RBIs, and we've got some video of her at heartland-sports.com where you can see both what she does in the field and behind the plate. And kudos to Patty. I mean, this is again the rich keep getting richer. If you thought that Oklahoma's stranglehold on the Big 12 conference was going to come to an end. 
not anytime soon, the way she keeps reloading with transfers. One of the things I do like about Jana Johns, you speak of South Carolina, and we immediately begin to at least my mind begins to wonder when we look in the SEC, there are other programs that are a little bit more prestigious than a place like, I'm going to use the term USC here, not to confuse anyone, but know that I am referring to South Carolina. Needless to say, you look at someone like Jana Johns, she comes in, helps the team offensively, starts every game as a sophomore there, has appearances in the postseason has made a run to a super regional. So it's not as though she's not experienced in some of the bigger moments. And it's not as though that a team has never relied on her to deliver time yeah. and time again. So we're not only speaking of someone who has the ability to add a little bit of power to this lineup, but it's someone who has the experience in the big moments to continuously deliver. We look at Patty. Yasso, we look at what she's done and the teams that she's built in the past and they've, typically hinged offensively around the ability to hit the ball and not just put it into play, but hit it out of the park. Jocelyn Allo, Lauren Chamberlain. We're going to see a continuous string of names. I, I know that there's a couple others that are currently on the roster, but the most notable hitter on this team is is Allo, no questions asked. Yeah, You're adding bats to, exactly. to really compliment right. her, this, this, which is fantastic. Yeah, this lineup is going to be devastating because you you mentioned Jocelyn Allo. There's Grace Green on this lineup. I mean, you're just going to have the, the, the bats that are going to be, um, be through this batting order. And, and, and Patty Gasso does a great job at kind of spreading them out where usually your, your, your power hitters are, are the three, four, and five spots. She's going to have them throughout this lineup. And this is a really good pickup for Oklahoma. When you consider – the pitching that's returning because of the extra year of eligibility. By the way, Johns will have two years of eligibility because of that rule. She's going to come in and be with this team for two seasons. But Oklahoma is not only going to be a favorite in 2021 to win the Big 12 again, but they're also going to be a favorite to make an appearance down the road in Oklahoma City at the Women's College World Series. Sticking with the diamond, though, the defending World Series champion, Washington Nationals pick up Cade Cavalli, with the 22nd pick in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft, that that happening on Wednesday evening, Cavalli becomes the third Oklahoma player to be drafted in the first round since 2013. So what I want to know from you, young man, can you name the other two? Because you covered them both now, state in person. Your, state your question again. I think I missed a very crucial part. All right, Cavalli mm-hmm. is the third player selected in the first round from o, from OU okay. since 2013. Okay, I thought you said pitcher, which is why no, I no, no. made yeah, you restate player, that. Player, right. Um, I do know Kyler Murray right? was selected in the first round, and I believe the other one is Jonathan Gray. Nice. I'm giving you some knuckles across the table here. Yes, uh, Jonathan Gray selected number three overall by Colorado in 2013. And then everybody most recently knows Kyler Murray's store selected uh, number nine by Oakland in 2018. And so here, one more, one more nugget of thing before we really get into the meat of our podcast, but Creed Humphrey, Walter Camp preseason, first team, all American. I, I believe this is the first of many preseason awards for Creed Humphrey. And really uh, what I'm, what I'm more curious about because everybody knows I mean, there's, there's nobody that covers Big 12 football that doesn't know Creed Humphrey's name, nor his potential 
But really, I'm more interested in the postseason football awards. How many other offensive linemen are going to be recognized along with Creed Humphrey? Because I, I believe the offensive line will be the strength of Oklahoma's offense this season. When we look at at this football program, and specifically to your credit, what Bill Biedenboe has done, it's easy to come to that kind of a conclusion along the offensive line, knowing that it was a group that wasn't as experienced as what we've seen when Orlando Brown was on campus before entering the NFL draft. That was an experienced offensive line that people expected dominant performances from. Needless to say, this past season, we had an uh, um, something that was far beyond adequate mm -hmm. when it came to the offensive line. I don't think there were as high of expectations, but still they, they found themselves being mentioned for numerous prestigious awards across the, the entire line. Needless to say, you always want that big one at the end of the year as a team, because you know, You're that the, about the, the Roy Moore. Award. Yes. Yeah, you okay. know that the offensive line is a cohesive unit. And if one, if one piece suffers, and it slacks and it breaks down, the whole line suffers and slacks mm -hmm. and breaks down. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Okay, so here we go. Um, new segment, and we're just going to have fun with this. I get to ask the questions this week. You'll get to ask the questions next week. It's five questions. You tell me true or false. I'm going to throw a statement out there. And you say, and this is opinion. This is in, in Richard world. Is this true or is this false? But I would like you to at least defend your answer at some point, some way, you don't have to go into a lot of detail. You can just kind of give us, this is why I said this. Okay, here we go. So number one, are you ready? Yeah. Are you I excited? Mean, I, I'm, this is off the cuff. Yeah. Are you excited? I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I was, was going to ask you if you're nervous. All right, here we go. Number one, OU football will start on September 5th as planned. That's true. And, and here's the reason why everything that I've seen when it comes to the football season is that Oklahoma has made proper preparations at this point in time, leading up to the voluntary workouts that will begin on July 1st. But there's also talks coming from A.D. Castiglione, who is looking at every single possibility, every single scenario to make sure that their bases are covered, whether the seating, the, the fan involvement changes or it's 50% capacity, whatever that might be, that's the uncertainty for me. But I do believe September rolls around that first week there. We will have college football in Norman, Oklahoma. Interesting that you should say that because uh, next question on this game, September 5th against Missouri State, there will be more than 25,000 fans in, in attendance. There will be true. I'm going to go with true, and, and that's because at capacity, this is a stadium that, that can hold 90,000 people. Now, not everyone has a seat, but there will typically be roughly 90,000 people in there. If we go with the 50%, which I think is a, maybe a generous number at this point in time, I would say 35 to 40,000 get their seats, and it's based off of what what I've been reading in that we've we're planning for every scenario, regardless of if that's 50 and that's the number that I've heard at this point in time. So I'm rolling with it. Bonus. If you can tell me the mascot name from uh, Missouri state. Nope. Got nothing. The bears, man. I, and bears. I should know that. You um, should know that I because know a that. kid who played football with my son played football there as well. So yeah. whatever. Um, okay, so, well, you know who I'm talking about. You, you know this kid. Um, number three, the NBA 
will pull off their Orlando experiment with zero positive cases for COVID. Man, that that one. We're waiting in the waters now, brother. You you put a number of zero on that. I'm going to go ahead and say false. And the reality for me is that so much information has changed since coronavirus became a trending topic globally. I'm not talking about in very specific hot pockets of the of the earth, but globally there's people who are asymptomatic who would show signs of antibodies. And I, I believe that those are still being counted as positive cases, which I think may happen as everyone's tested as they come in, they'll say you were positive with, with antibodies in your system. Okay. Um, number four, Christian Leary will commit to the university of Oklahoma with Caleb Williams on July 4th. False. I'm going to say false for now. I have a lot of questions still surrounding Christian Leary. I don't know if I'm reading too much into the lines, but a while back, Matt, you and I had the conversation of where could he potentially go? And I brought up specifically the fact that he didn't hold an offer from what he labeled as his dream school on Twitter, which is LSU. I don't know if LSU, I haven't followed this story. I haven't checked up on that. I don't know if LSU has offered him at this point in time, but the fact that he pushed off of his commitment told me that something was up. I don't know that it involves LSU at all. I don't know that it involves Alabama either, but I do believe it's it's between Alabama and Oklahoma until an LSU offer comes. So false for me. I think he's trolling, and we'll get into more of that here in a little bit when we talk about our recruiting updates. Okay, the last one. Number five, moving away from the University of Oklahoma, going up north a little bit to Stillwater, Oklahoma State's basketball sanctions were too tough. True or false? Mm -hmm. True. Oh, no way, really? Yeah, man, here's the reality for me. When I look at the situation that Oklahoma State finds themselves in, it's difficult to punish an individual. And I know you and I have had a conversation off air about this where you strongly disagree with me, but I find it extremely unfair to punish a person who had no hand in the matter while the, the individual who had the most knowledge potentially of what was going on opts out leaves for another university and there's no reprimand for them as an individual. I would have preferred to seen an individual reprimand versus a, a university. Well, okay. Yeah. One that was of such strength, losing scholarships, lack of the postseason, things of that nature. I like I said, I would have rather seen that hand something handed out to the individual. But yes, the university does need to be punished for allowing those activities to go go on on campus unchecked. Okay, so I, I got a lot to say, but I'm not okay. I'm just, but I, I am going to say this: Lamont Evans, the coach, went to jail, was arrested as a part of an FBI probe, went to jail, right, and now has a 10 year clause that he cannot coach college basketball for the next 10 years. So there was an individual punishment handed out. So we've got to stop acting like the individual wasn't punished at all. But the second thing is, this took place while he was a member of the coaching staff for this institution. 
And there's no way to punish the institution without punishing the people who are currently members of the institution right now. And this always drives me nuts because this becomes the argument anytime the NCAA steps in. Oh, these kids, they didn't have anything to do with it. And now they're being punished for somebody else's actions. Okay. You I, can't punish an institution without punishing the people that are currently there. And here's the last thing I'll say. If you want to talk more about it, you can. But the last thing I'll say is everybody knew this was coming. And they know it's coming to Kansas. They know it's coming to Arizona. It's coming. And if you know it's coming, if you know it's going to happen, and you choose to be a part of that school, and you choose to you choose to go there as a commit or remain there as a player or as a coach, knowing that this is going to happen and say, Oklahoma say, well, we, we participated, we, we cooperated, we helped them out. Yeah. And the NCAA wanted to ban you for two years, but they only chose one because you helped out. Now you look at a school like Kansas who basically told the NCAA, Hey, uh, you know, whatever, man, you want to find something, go find it. We're not helping you. Well, now Kansas is about to get slammed both for football and basketball because you, anytime you invite the NCAA to go snooping around, they're going to go snooping around and they're going to, when they find what they were looking for, you're going to get hammered. And so a guy like, like Cunningham, Kate Cunningham, if he chooses to go to Oklahoma state, he, he knows what he knew that this was a possibility when he committed and when he signed, he knew it. And I, I promise you, I promise you this conversation came up in recruiting and Mike Boynton and, and staff said, look, man, if this happens and you want out, we will let you out. I promise you that, that, that conversation took place. Now I've got my own opinion about Cunningham. I don't think he's ever going to play college basketball, but that's just, I'll save that for another, <laughs> another time. But that, that's my, that's, that's my, that's why I had that last. That's my rant. Everybody knew this was coming. The, the minute your coach gets arrested, you know it's coming. You know the NCAA is going to do something. You chose to be there? Okay. Don't cry about it because you chose to be there. And I would say that for any school. I'm not just saying that because it's Oklahoma State. I would say it for any school. I said it when it happened with, with Kelvin Sampson at the University of Oklahoma. You know it's coming. You chose to be there. Deal with it. The only thing, Matt, that, that I'm going to say in conjunction with that is, is I do believe when you say what you explicitly said was that don't say they're coming down too hard on the players. Players in these types of situations more often than not have been afforded certain things such as an out of a letter of intent, such as the ability to transfer without consequence and immediate eligibility granted by the NCAA because of the actions of those who were in control of the program. But here's the thing. When I look at what's going on, the reprimand that's being handed down by the NCAA to Oklahoma State specifically is is what happens, like I said, if you're in a situation where you just had a head coach leave, you've assumed it, you're assuming that Mike Boynton had Mike a Boynton lot on, of knowledge. Mike Boynton and, and Lamont Evans were on the staff together. No, I get that. But Oklahoma under Lon Kruger had an incident where players were being handed cash on a plane. Yeah, and what happened? They fired him immediately. Exactly. But soon, that as soon as they found out, they were all going to the Bahamas. Right. And, and not only was it a, an assistant coach, but it was a former player 
doing this. And the, the minute they landed in the Bahamas and Lon Kruger sees his boys walking around with his money, he's like, what happened? And that coach was sent home, fired for cause, and then Oklahoma reported it to the NCAA. This came out with Oklahoma State at the minute that Evans was arrested. So you that's apples to oranges. You can't you can't look if 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 they if was if Brad Underwood would have fired Lamont Evans at that before the FBI showed up before and if Brad Underwood would have said we're not doing this and, you're and out that's of here. where I was headed. But they didn't do it. I'm headed to the the Underwood when you begin to look at a head coach a guy who is over all the operations of the basketball program, you're all of a sudden saying Brad Underwood deserves no penalties because he left the university because he saw the writing on the wall. Now he's he's not guilty, no reprimand. It's okay. You go on to the Big Ten. You go on to, to be the coach at Illinois, and everything's fine and dandy for you. Brad Underwood, but those, didn't, he didn't commit the infraction. He didn't. Neither did Mike Boynton. My my watch is talking to me, um, but Mike Boynton, you know who else had the chance to fire him? Mike Boynton, and Mike Boynton didn't fire him until he was arrested by the FBI. So there's a difference. Mike Boynton chose to take over that job, and he kept Lamont Evans until he was until he was arrested by the FBI, and then he was fired. Well, my recollection says this: Oklahoma State finds out about certain infractions and they fired they fired him immediately after he was busted i mean come on the assistant what's his name again lamont evans lamont evans never coaches a game under mike boyton because as head coach because the fbi arrested him <laughs> i mean you can't keep him at that <laughs> point but you're telling me like you know you know in this business and any business when you have people that are your peers you know the lifestyle you know how much money you're making and comparative to they're making and you're telling me this guy's rolling around with an extra 50 60 70,000 and mike boyne's not going how's he doing that come on I get hung up on the issue that there's no no penalty for Brad Underwood. The coach, when the penalty, when the infraction, according to NCAA bylaws, occurred. Yeah, well, I mean that's I I can't. But do it. it's it's okay. Boynton will shoulder it for you. I can't do anything about that, but I can say, hey, Boynton and and the, the institution. You, I mean, you can't punish Illinois. They didn't commit the infraction. Okay, we got to talk about some Oklahoma football recruiting. Um, a commitment coming in big for Oklahoma. Another commitment coming next week. Plus, one player would trims his list to six, and Caleb Williams has set a date. We've already talked about that, but we're going to come back to it. Well, not a really busy week for Oklahoma in terms of football recruiting, but it was a little bit of a heavier pace than the week before. Oklahoma getting a, a commitment from a junior college defensive tackle, Isaiah Coe, 6'3", 305 pounds, um, six and a half sacks last season. And he um, he becomes the eighth player committed to this class and the first defensive tackle. And you've got some mixed thoughts about this kid. So I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, Mr. DeCray. Here's, here's the reality, and I've said that a lot. I'm going to stop using that. <laughs> As my my go-to, when I look at Isaiah Coe, 
I do believe that what he brings to the table is a viable fit when it comes to the Oklahoma Sooners and what they're attempting to do on the defensive side of the ball. One of the things that we know was depth was significantly lacking, but I thought the defense and Alex Grinch had attempted to address that in the last recruiting cycle when they signed two junior college defensive tackles with immediate the number one and number two immediate eligibility. Right. I, it's not that I dislike a guy like Isaiah Coe. It's not as though I'm saying he doesn't have the talent to play at the University of Oklahoma, but there's a conundrum that's going on because all of a sudden you have a room of defensive tackles who have very limited eligibility, and there's only <laughs> one slot. Who's going to get that? I, I'm I, I'm not that bothered by it because you got to consider this kid's not coming in for a year from now and let's 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 say this number one and number two defensive tackles that oklahoma signed as a part of this 2020 class they're junior college guys so they literally could be one and done guys at at ou this season they could and so be. if let's just say one of them is good enough to jump right into the right into the uh nfl after one season at ou let's say that happens because it's not far-fetched to believe that as a possibility. And then what are you going to do? And so that's where I like the idea that you know you got another guy coming in next year in Co. who's a junior college guy. He's experienced. And you can continue to develop younger guys. But you also know that the dam's not going to break if one of these two guys jumps to the NFL after one season. I'm I'm just not certain that either of these two guys, this is not a knock against anyone. It's It's a a tribute to how good of a player Jalen Redmond is. I don't know that either of these two guys are going to crack that number mm, one Redmond's on the depth chart. going to play a different spot, though. Redmond's, gonna, Redmond's not going to be the nose guard type guy. Redmond's going to be the guy. No, defensive tackle. But he, but but Redmond's not going to be that that guy in the middle of the line. Redmond's going to be a guy that they try to stunt. And what they're going to do with Redmond and what they're doing with these three guys, these two two different things. That's like so you're you're saying they fit more of a nose guard, right? These guys are going to be more like a Neville Gallimore type type player for OU as opposed to what Jalen Redmond's going to do. Okay, I, I can get on board with that, on that. But when you say a guy who's going to come in and be a defensive tackle, I, I know that Oklahoma has some viable nose guards. I know that they have some viable defensive tackles, but no one on the list, if we even went six deep on that, there's no one on that list. If we combine them, that stands out more than Jalen Redmond. But two different, two different methods, two right. different, I mean, right. Okay, so uh, Jeremiah Williams, four-star defensive end, staying on the defensive line. He narrowed his down his list down to, to six schools. Um, and as you wrote, Rich, the SEC well represented uh, on this, with Oklahoma being the only uh, Big Twelve school here. Um, I, 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 again, Oklahoma's not going to get all these guys. Okay, but the fact that his his final six are Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and LSU with Oklahoma in the mix. It it shows you that the inroads that Alex Grinch and company are making with defensive players. And we're going to talk here in a little bit about some of the guys who have gotten away because you're not going to get everybody. But again, this guy has narrowed his list down to six. 
And it's not like it's Oklahoma and Southern Illinois. You know what I'm saying? These are powerhouse schools right. that Oklahoma is competing against, and they're still in the race. So this is a, a, a good a good thing for Oklahoma because other people will see that. Um, and, you know, Williams, he's got a good size, 6'3", 224 pounds. I think he would fit in well. But it's not like at this position, Oklahoma is is really um, lacking people when you consider that. I, I, well, the next guy on our list to talk about is Nathan. You you call him NRK, Nathan yeah, Rollins. A little, little bit easier not to, to butcher a name, you know. <laughs> Nathan Rollins Kabong. And and look, he he is I, he's coming to Oklahoma. I, I'm I'm comfortable to say that this kid is going to make a commitment next week. And I, I feel that. Based on what I've been told and what I know about this kid, he's raw. We, we've been talking about him for a while. He's only played one season of college football. He's a basketball player, which is the reason why you thought he wasn't going to come to the University of Oklahoma. Right. But 24-7 sports is on my side with nine crystal ball predictions coming in this week saying that he's going to commit to the University of Oklahoma. Um, when we when we talked about him, when we first talked about him in February, he had 10 scholarship offers after one season of high school football. Um, now he's increased that to about 15 offers. But here's the thing I've always said about this kid. He's raw and he's talented, but after one season, he's he's got enough talent that he's a four-star prospect. And I think coaches are drooling over the athleticism and what they can do with this kid coming off the edge as a giant of a man, six <laughs> right. seven, two forty, as a and he's uber athletic. He would be go there's just go into YouTube, go to Twitter, type in his name and look at how athletic he is on the basketball floor. And you could also find him. We've got um his junior year film posted at heartland-sports.com. This kid is a freak. And Oklahoma is gonna get raw talent, but moldable talent. And the the guy is after committing to Washington State to play basketball, he's fallen in love with football, and it looks like he's also fallen in love with the University of Oklahoma. Right. You good on that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I really thought you would talk about Washington State and maybe the draw that he might no, get drawn back to basketball. I, I mean, here's what I will say about that. I think it helped. I think it really helped not having the basketball season completed. I think because of the COVID thing and he didn't get to finish his season. And so that kind of took it basketball off the table for him for this year. And it's a full focus on football. And then he'll go right back into football again for summer mm-hmm. workouts in the fall. I think that really helped sway him away from basketball to football. There there are a couple of other things that I could throw in there as well that would easily sway myself. I, I'm going to apply them to someone else without any insider knowledge on it. But when you begin to look at basketball, we know that NRK was put on the map because of his basketball talent. He originally committed, was a verbal commit, by the way, to a school in the Pac-12, which you've mentioned is Washington State for basketball. Ended up picking up a football and basically, you've mentioned it, falling in love with it. But let's let's look at the, the possibility of actually making it to the next level, not the collegiate level, but the professional level. Because we know that this kid's going to play at a major, he's going to play at a power five university. Whether it's basketball or whether it's football, he's that 
caliber of an athlete. And so when we begin to look at some of the argument that could potentially exist there, Matt, what we begin to realize is there's only two rounds. There's only <laughs> in the NBA draft, there's only two rounds, which mm-hmm. which means there's 60 slots for you to make an impression and to make a name and to actually get into one of those 60 slots. But of course, everybody's competing to be a lottery pick. Right. Those are going to be extremely few and far between basketball, wildly popular here in the United States versus the NFL, where you begin to look at not only are there more people that will will take the field. There's 22 generally versus five of a basketball roster that are starters. There's much more possibility for you to make a living by pursuing football. And I get an extremely wild and wildly popular sport here in the U.S. It makes sense to me to keep your options open, but if you have such a raw talent that can be molded, that can be shaped, of course coaches are going to jump at that. Because guess what? You don't have any bad habits yet. At right. least they hope not. Right. Now that's a good point. And yeah. they don't have to work those out of you. So I'm going to jump at that each and every time. Yeah. So um, bonus uh, true or false question here. Caleb Williams to Oklahoma, worst kept secret, worst kept secret in college football recruiting. True. Yeah, because he's going to make his announcement now. July 4th is the date. Here's what he said this last week on Monday. Now pay attention to this. He says, July 4th is the date, and I'm very excited. I can't wait. I've got a lot planned coming up this month, three weeks and five days. This is what he said on Monday. A lot planned, ready to go, ready to do it. And then he says, coming out with a few cool things when it gets to that point. But July 4th is the day that fireworks will be shooting up into the sky. Look look at this. Fireworks will be shooting up in the sky with all of the commitments. Our commits. Right. So um, he says the guys and coaches will be going crazy and hopefully the fans go crazy too. So this leads one to believe that when, when Caleb commits on July 4th, well, you guys are on a first name basis. Yeah. Now. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Way to um, be. Hey, he did retweet <laughs> me this last week. So whatever, dude. Um, but when he, when he, when he commits, um, He's not coming alone. And we, we've known he's recruiting people. We've talked about it extensively. Right. So what I'm what I'm wanting to know from you is who do you think? Give me one or two names that you think might be making this commitment with him on July 4th. I've got three names, but um, I, I want to hear what you've got. Um, By the way, all three of mine are offensive players. <laughs> I, I are do they? Think, yeah, I do think there's some defensive guys coming. But I think the three I'm going to go with are offensive players. Well, give, give me your three. I'm going to give you one. Right. How, how about we just trade off here? Because one of the guys I do believe will commit the same day that Caleb Williams does is a local guy in, in Kendall Daniels. Okay. You probably didn't see that one coming since you're saying all offensive uh-huh. side of the ball. But I do believe Kendall Daniels is one of the names that's been mentioned by Caleb Williams. And I believe we know that Oklahoma has an in with him already. We know not with 100% certainty that he is an Oklahoma lean at this point as well. And so it makes sense to be a part of that group that's coming in. That That's my easy one for you. Number two player in the state of Oklahoma. And if Caleb Williams to Oklahoma is the worst kept secret in college football recruiting, Kendall Daniels is probably the second worst. That's, I mean, that's how I feel <laughs> about that. Um, so the, the guy, one of the guys I'm going to go with is Bryce Foster. Um, I think he's coming to the University of Oklahoma. I think there's been uh, um, some good chemistry between him and Caleb Williams. 
Uh, now it's it's it is a reach because Texas A&M is still heavy um, on Bryce Foster, but uh, I think he's one guy that's going to come in with Caleb Williams and again Texas A&M hasn't moved away that much from him, but um, I, I think he's coming with with Caleb Williams. Well, I'm going to go ahead and throw out a name that we've already mentioned. Excuse me, NRK, I believe, will commit around that same time. No, we already, yeah, okay. No, go ahead. Go Dang, ahead. No, no, I, no, I can I, switch it up for no, you. No, no, go with it. That's a good one. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have shot you down like that. Yeah. Um, but I think we know that's coming. Is yeah, what, is that, point that, but you're you're saying on July 4th. Yeah, Who's, okay, who's okay. committing on July yeah, 4th? Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying I could see that being one of the names that's okay. in tow as well. Um, I, I apologize. I shouldn't have, uh, I shouldn't have, uh. I shouldn't have shot you down like that, and I hope that we can still be friends. Is that possible? I'll think it over and let you know. <laughs> um, okay, so my next guy, um, st- I mean, again, all minor offensive guys. I think uh, Kamar Wheaton is going to commit uh, with um, with um, with Caleb Williams on July fourth. Number numbers four running back in this um, in this class and sixteen overall. Well, what do you mean number four? I've got him at number one. Who, well, are, you, who are you looking at? The composite, 24-7 composite. Okay, okay. He's number one, but um, I'm, I'm just looking at – I wasn't looking at the composite. Gotcha. Compositely, number one running back in the class, number two from the state of Texas. I think he is coming with Caleb Williams. I'm going to go ahead and throw out an offensive lineman as well because Oklahoma has made some – they've made up some serious ground – when it comes to to Tristan Lee at this point in time, offensive tackle out of Fairfax, Virginia, there is a connection, I believe, between Williams and Lee as they would have played within the vicinity of each other. Heck, they probably even played at the same state, maybe even at the same stadium at some point in time. Needless to say, he's that third of the names that I'm throwing out there who I believe could be one of the the major commitments and a huge pickup for Oklahoma as the number 13 overall prospect and number three offensive tackle. Okay. And I'm my, my final guy is going to be Christian Leary. I, I, I think, I think Christian Leary is completely trolling Alabama LSU fans and the sec. This kid is still locked in on the university of Oklahoma. He was original member of the hot dog gang with Mario mm-hmm. Williams I think the reason why he changed his date, he was going to commit. He was going to commit on July sixth, and then he came back and said, "You know, what? I'm just going to commit when I'm ready." I think it's in anticipation of a group of guys coming in together on Independence Day. Christian Leary, one of those guys, is going to commit with Caleb Williams on July fourth. Let me add this to the the tail end of this conversation. I'm going to be surprised if if Christian Leary commits to because Oklahoma. you're buying into the hype. He's coming. I am. He, he's coming to Oklahoma. Okay. Well, we will see. Okay. Tell me why you're going to be surprised. I I it, keep cutting you off and not just. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, don't apologize. When it comes to Christian Leary, I, I've already laid it out previously on this episode of the podcast. I don't want to rehash. He's trolling that, that man. conversation. He's trolling. But the <laughs> the outlook for Leary has changed drastically to where, by the way, Matt, I'm looking at, at two, four, seven sports as usual. They do a fantastic job in tracking any and all commitments as well as which way prospects are leaning. Mm-hmm. And then they give you a list of all the schools that are in, or have at least offered when it comes to Christian Leary, 
you said you thought he would commit. You still believe that he's going to commit. He had a warm label, meaning that he was leaning towards the University of Oklahoma. All of a sudden, that has dropped to cool. And I'm not looking at what Christian Leary is saying. I'm not factoring in the LSU argument that I gave earlier. But what I am saying is that if he's playing a game, he's covered all of his bases. And he's got even the recruiting experts dropping Oklahoma outside of the top three. And now it's Florida, Auburn, and Alabama. Okay. I'm going to be surprised if he commits to Oklahoma. Do you know? Let's let's think logically about this for just a second, okay? LSU has not offered this kid, and I don't know that they will. And Christian Leary has been tied to Caleb Williams for a long time, and LSU has offered Caleb Williams. So why would you offer Caleb Williams and not offer one of the top wide receivers in this class? Oh yeah, because you know he's going to Oklahoma. That's the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean that like, and I, I get what you're saying, and I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with what you're saying, but what I am going to say is if you're if you're going that route, if you're going to go and just base it solely off of 24/7 Sports, then you need to look at the crystal ball predictions that say what the crystal ball predictions don't have him. Okay, let let me back up. There are two predictions on the board for Christian Leary for him to go where. For him to go to Oklahoma, and one of them is labeled as on a scale of one to ten as a four, meaning no confidence, and the other one is a seven, which means some confidence. I mean, seven is pretty high. I mean, if you're a seven out of ten, that's. I mean, math on a on a pass fail, that's that, pass. It's one percent above fail. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna agree to disagree. Let, let's talk for just a second. Because this is a good segue in, into this. If Christian Leary gets away, I think he will be one of the recruits that you for for the, as long as you're watching him play college football. And I do I do believe if he gets away, it's going to be to Alabama, not you know not LSU or not anywhere else. It's I think he, for him it's Alabama or Oklahoma. But let's say he gets away, he's going to be one of those players that you're every, every time he scores, every time you see a highlight, you're going to think, oh man. He almost came to OU. You know, he's going to be one of those guys. I want to talk about some other guys along that line. And there's a big list. We, when we talk about guys that Oklahoma misses out on, there there are guys that you just like, like uh, Raheem Sanders just this last week. Uh, I don't know if he was on your list or not, but uh, he he's a guy that to me, I look at him and I watch him, his film and he reminds me of a, a Ramondre Stevenson type guy. He's deceptively fast. He's strong and he's big and he can catch the ball and he can run the ball. Now he's going to go to Arkansas and, and so you're, you're going to watch his career, hopefully blossom. I always want kids to succeed, but you're going to think, man, what could he have done in Oklahoma's backfield behind Oklahoma's offensive line? Because now he's going to be a part of a rebuilding program instead of being a part of a program that just reloads. So give me, let, do you want to? We can and we can go back and forth with this, but I want to talk about three players that Oklahoma is either has missed out on, like Raheem Sanders, where they've already made a commitment, or you look at the way they're leaning and you think, man, Oklahoma had a shot at this kid, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yep, let's go for it. All right, give me your first one. The first one that I'm going to throw out, um, and and this isn't a secret. This is my easy. This was my give me. It, it's Brock Vandegrift, a guy who was very highly recruited. Um, across any 
state, any conference originally committed to the University of Oklahoma. We know that the kid has a strong arm. We know that he has the ability to read defenses and make the correct throw, but he also had the ability to throw a deep ball, which is something that Oklahoma, since Baker Mayfield, hasn't had the best of in the country. And that's no no slight against a guy like Kyler Murray, who in the NFL may have a, a better deep ball now. When I, when I look at what could have been with Vandegrift, um, you see you see a lot and a lot of potential highlights. But would you would you rather have Vandegrift or Caleb Williams? Both. Can we have them both? No. Can we take them both? LSU can't have them both, and you can't have right, them both. Right, and Matt, and here's the thing is, is I say that he's the one that got away because when he committed to the University of Oklahoma, he was the top-rated quarterback. Caleb but he's not. But Caleb, he's not. Caleb Williams didn't overtake him for quite some time after that decommitment. Okay. I, I I'm I'm I think the reason he decommitted was because Oklahoma was moving in on Caleb Williams, but that that's just me. That's my two I've, cents on. And thing. I'm saying Oklahoma um, moved in because he decommitted. Well, and we'll never know. Um, my first guy is Tommy Brockmeyer, um, number one uh, player from the state of Texas, uh, number two offensive tackle, and and here's the thing, he's going to go to Alabama in my opinion, and. The thing is, is, is he's he's extremely talented. He's a consensus five-star offensive lineman, but he's got a brother, twin brother. I think they're twins. That's going to go wherever he goes as well. Who is a four-star offensive lineman plays the center position, and so it was almost a two-for-one with these kids. So losing out on Brockmeyer um, is to me was it was a big deal, and I hate that that we we lost out to Alabama, but. I would rather lose out to Alabama than I would lose out to Texas. And it looks like that's what's going to happen with uh, cornerback Ishmael Ibrahim. Um, he had Oklahoma actually listed the Sooners in his top 10 cornerback position. That's somebody, that's a position that you particularly right. like to focus on. And I think he's going to become a longhorn after placing the Sooners in his top 10. And that's a, that's, that's a, that's a kid with a lot of potential, a lot of talent that the Sooners are going to miss out on. I completely agree with you there. I'm going to throw in another name. One that we've talked about previously here on the podcast as well was Emeka Ibuka, one mm. of the wide receivers where I labeled him as Oklahoma gets him and Christian Leary goes elsewhere, or Oklahoma gets Christian Leary and Ibuka goes to a different university. I don't think they're going to get either one of them at, at this point in time. The way things are shaping why, up. Why do you hate Oklahoma so much? I don't. The way things are shaping up for Ibuka is all signs are pointing towards Ohio State at this point in time. A kid out of Washington is going to travel across the country to play at a university. Whether that's Ohio State or whether that's Clemson, mm -hmm. those were the two front runners for me for quite some time. Oklahoma getting the head nod because of what they've been able to do and how they've been able to develop that the position of receiver right. specifically. Yeah, and, and that's a good point if they miss out on both Abuka and Christian Leary. And, and I looked through that list of, of players that are either trending or have committed somewhere else. And my, my only thought about this is that Oklahoma's in on so many wide receivers for this they class. Are. I didn't put any wide receivers on this list just because it's almost an endless list of them. And you've got the top guy. You've got Mario Williams. He's already committed. That was the number one target for Oklahoma this recruiting cycle at the receiver position. By the way, just to jump back real fast on Ibrahim, um, 
he is going to make his announcement on June 15th. So um, I, I really think he's going to end up at Texas and uh, I hope I'm wrong on that, but uh, we'll know for sure on, on June 15th. All right. My last guy is linebacker um, that I really, I really wanted this kid uh, to come to the university of Oklahoma. He actually had the Sooners in his final six. And it's one of those situations that we talked about just previously where it's Oklahoma and a bunch of sec schools. But at the end of the day, the SEC won out. I, I think Kendrick Blackshire is going to end up playing. And again, it just coincidence that Alabama comes up a lot here in this conversation. Uh, I think he's going to end up going uh, to play at the university of Alabama. And, um, and that just, it burns me just because this kid, this kid is a beast. And I would encourage you if you just, if you just, if you like watching raw talent on display, Man, go watch this kid. He is a man among boys uh, to the tune of drawing in 29 scholarship offers and um, could have made a big difference for Oklahoma at the inside linebacker position, but I think he's going to be a, a member of the Crimson Tide. All right. The last one that, that I'm going to list here may have been more of a, a wish type player to come to the University of Oklahoma more than it was ever actually going to be a reality. When I look at the offensive line, knowing, as we've mentioned, what Bill Biedenbow has been capable of. My fingers were crossed that Oklahoma would would be able to convince a guy like Rocco Spindler to leave the, the northeast part of the country and come down a little bit further south and a little bit further west of the Mississippi. Again, this may have just been a, a complete pipe dream for the University of Oklahoma, as I don't believe Oklahoma was listed in the top five, even though I see Oklahoma listed as one of the warm schools on his list, according to the experts. It was always a Big Ten fight, but the Big Tw- big excuse me, Big Ten and Notre Dame, it was always going to be a fight between those two. I don't know who's going to win on win out on that one, but clearly Oklahoma is not even not even in that consideration at this point. Okay, so let's close out with this. Um, first of all, we're going to have a midweek podcast. I say midweek; it actually be early week Monday. Uh, we'll release a podcast where we rank the Big Twelve running backs from worst to first. Um, and that'll be kind of fun to go with, but I want to, I want to close out with this, where Oklahoma currently stands recruiting wise, the Sooners with eight card commitments for the 2021 recruiting cycle, currently top 20. Well, I guess the top 30, they're they're number 29 nationally. Last year, they finished number 11 nationally in the big 12. They're, they're ranked third right now. They were, they were second in the big 12 last year. Now here are the teams that are in front of Oklahoma in the Big 12. Texas with 11 commitments is number 1. Baylor with 15 commitments. By the way, all all 15 of Baylor's commitments currently are three-star athletes. But Baylor with 15 commitments is number 2. Oklahoma with eight commitments, four of them four-star, four of them three-star according to the uh, 24/7 rankings. The Sooners are number three, and really on their heels with 11 commitments is West Virginia. And what's what's I think what's been kind of the saving grace with Oklahoma versus West Virginia is that seven of their commitments, seven of their 11 are three-star guys, and then they've got a two-star commitment as well. So um, here's my question to you, Rich. 
you're seeing a team like Oklahoma State have a surge in recruiting. Uh, they're up to 11 commitments after just a bang load of guys committed over the weekend. And you look at Caleb Williams, who right now is number four in the in the player rankings for 24-7 sports. He keeps rising. He was number six just a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't see Oklahoma finish any lower than last year in either category. 11th nationally, second in the Big 12. I still say they have top five potential nationally, and they have the potential to be the, the number one class in the Big 12 based on how things go on 4th of July weekend. Am I crazy for that? I, I don't think you are, honestly. And a large portion of that thought process comes from there's a lot of players who have yet to commit. We know that the talent pool will continue to spread. Those rankings, those numbers are going to continue to shift, not individually for players, but for those team rankings, where a program that may be higher up, even included in that top 10, may easily drop out once the wave of commitments begin to hit these different universities. I think Oklahoma's on the verge of a ton of commitments coming down the pipeline. I think Alabama's in a very similar boat as well. We'll see what's going to happen here in the month of July, but expect fireworks for lack of a better term. Those are Caleb Williams words. I I will say this. I, I really thought for a while that it would come down between Ohio state and Oklahoma for the top recruiting class in 2021. I don't think anybody has a chance to catch Ohio State at this point. They've got 19 commitments right now. Of their 19 commitments, 11 are four-star guys and four are five-star guys. So 15 of their 19 are four-star or higher. No one's catching Ohio State. Are, are we agreed on that? I, I'm i not going to say yes to that question. Okay. And like I said, I, I do believe there will be a battle for that number one position. Granted, Ohio State has a head start on everybody else, but there are going to be challengers who compete for that number one spot. And it's very hard to look away from Nick Saban and what he's been able to do year after year after year. I get it. I get it. mm -hmm. Alabama is on a little bit of a decline in terms of maintaining that number one or just being given the number one overall or the number one team ranking when it comes to recruiting simply because of the name across the front of the jersey. But there are, like I said, Alabama is going to be a challenger. There are some others that I could throw on that list like a Clemson, but Alabama is going to be the best challenger. I think I can jump on board with you um, on any school but Alabama. Do you know where Alabama currently ranks? No. I told you, I think they have a wave of recruits that are about to commit. I I, I think you're right. And I I just mentioned a few of them. And, and, you know, when we're talking about the guys that got away, but Alabama only has six commitments right now. And they're at 43rd nationally. So you've got schools like Mississippi State, Boston College, Oklahoma State, Missouri, Nebraska. When when they're going to. Iowa State is ahead of Alabama. They're going to have at least 23 commitments. Okay, listen, I'm not saying Alabama is going to finish 43rd or lower. Alabama will finish top 10. The point I'm saying is, can anybody catch Ohio State? And when you're talking about a school that currently sits with 15 recruits that are four stars or higher it's i i I just i mean clemson here here let me let me give you an example clemson are you ready for this 15 of of ohio state's recruits are four star or higher 
11 four-star, four five-star. Clemson is number two nationally right now. They've got 14 total commitments. So Alabama, you have been thinking Alabama. Ohio State <laughs> has more four and five-star commitments than Clemson has total commitments. That's the point I'm making. I don't think anybody's catching Ohio State. Now, you you clearly have a different opinion, and that's okay. I think Oklahoma will squeeze the gap. I think as, as a team like Tennessee, who's sitting number three right now, 13 of their 23 commitments are three-star guys. You're going to see the, the, the volunteers, I believe, slide down this list some, and you're going to see a lot of schools bump up in this list, like in Alabama, like in Oklahoma. I just don't think anybody's going to catch, uh, catch Ohio State. And we'll have to wait and see. Time but will tell. Time will tell for sure. Okay, so look for uh, Big 12 running back rankings coming up. If you want to read about it, we can. you can read our consensus rankings uh, at heartland-sports.com. Uh, we've got those posted there, but we're going to talk more in, in detail about it. Uh, have that posted on Monday. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy your time with your family. Boomer Sooner.